0: All righty, welcome to Real Men. Good to see you guys, you excited to be together? Excited to be here tonight? All right, and for those of us joining online, we're honored and glad to have you. The way it tends to work, I teach usually a book of the Bible on Sunday, and then we make a leadership pivot and application for men here at Real Men. Sunday, I had one sermon that went about 60 minutes. And then I had another sermon that went 23 minutes. So It was an 83 minute sermon. And then there was a third sermon that I didn't have time for. So we're gonna do that one tonight. It's gonna be super practical. And I know you're all really excited to have deep discussions around the tables about your sex life. So we'll, we'll save that for the end of the night. I'm just kidding. We're not gonna do that. Um, and we're not gonna show any videos. But what we are gonna do, we're gonna talk about uh, sex and, a man's heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we're, this is gonna be the talk about sex, but let me start by saying, wherever you're at, that's where you start. And we're here to build men up, not beat men down. That's the way we work. To tell you my story, I grew up in uh, a rough area behind a, uh, an airport. It was an unincorporated area. Imagine an airport that was unincorporated, so it didn't have its own police force and it didn't have its own city council. It was like wild, wild west. Green River Killer Ted Bundy were in my neighborhood. Two serial killers of prostitutes were in my neighborhood. I grew up walking distance to a couple of strip clubs, literally right down the street. My first job, I lied about my age, I falsified my birth certificate, and I got a job as a clerk at a 7-Eleven down the street from a, a strip club. And so the way it would work is if you were a grown man and you would come in, I was 15 and I would card you so that you could buy alcohol or cigarettes or lotto tickets, okay? And if some of you are asking, was this your pastoral internship? No, this was before I met Jesus, amen? And I'm not, for you young guys, I'm not recommending this. I'm just telling you what happened to me. And then I uh, became sexually active in high school. I got my first exposure to pornography when I was probably around middle school. It was before the internet. You younger guys, there was a time before the internet. And I was there. And, uh, and the way it worked is we had these cassette tapes that had videos on them. And so I was at a buddy's house. He was a bit older than me. And uh, some guys came over and they're like, hey, it's movie night. Oh, I didn't know that was the movie. All of a sudden that was the exposure to pornography all the way back in the cassette tape days. I can't even imagine what it is like today to grow up in a world where everything is available instantly and privately on the internet. You guys are in a far more difficult world uh, growing up than I did. Fast forward to high school, I got a girlfriend, slept with her, uh, met Grace. uh, My now wife started sleeping with her. She was a pastor's daughter. And so if you're here tonight and you say, oh no, the sex talk, I'm in a bad place. Well, congratulations, I'm varsity bad place, You're junior varsity bad place. When you're sleeping with the pastor's daughter, you get cuts in the line to hell. They need to get you in as soon as possible. They need to hurry that up as quickly as possible. And so I, I'll never forget, I was, in high sc- I was in high school, sleeping with the pastor's daughter, didn't know the Lord, didn't care at all. Fast forward, go to college. I'm in my first uh, Bible study church. Pastor gets up, starts talking about sexual sin. The first part I had heard about, the second part I had never heard about. I heard of sexual, I never heard of sexual sin. He started talking about fornication. And he was like, you kids, don't be fornicating. Don't be fornicating. And I was like, surely I am not hearing this man correctly. It sounds like I shouldn't sleep with my girlfriend. I'm positive that I'm misunderstanding. So I called him and I... um, It was a small Bible study group and he was a pastor. And I said, yeah, that was a really great talk you gave on fornication. You know, thank you for that, that was amazing. Um, I'm worried about a friend of mine. I think they might be fornicating. I didn't tell him it was grace. And uh, so I said, uh, yeah, I think I got a friend that's fornicating, what is that? He says, it's sex before marriage. The Bible forbids all sex outside of marriage. And in that moment, it was like, oh golly, okay. So I have one of two choices. I just continue what I've been doing, which is whatever I want, or I start doing what God commands, which to be honest with you, sounded like less fun. I'm totally honest with you. And so I I really had to come to a conclusion that I was going to allow God to be a father, to parent me as a son, and my dad to tell me what was best for me, especially when it came to my sexuality. And so then um, I'm a a brand new Christian, I'm in college, and I tell Grace, okay, we gotta stop sleeping together. And I said, I don't know if you know this, we're fornicating. She's like, I'm a pastor's kid. I knew that. I was like, well, I didn't know that. So so then it was self-control. We stopped sleeping together until I got married. And, And I've been faithfully married to my wife for 28 years. All that to say, when I give the sex talk, there are, there are two kinds of guys here. Um, guys who are guilty and honest and guys who are guilty and dishonest. Those are the two kinds of guys. Okay? Okay. And some of you are like, I'm not guilty. You're the dishonest one, okay? So there, it's not that one of us is Jesus and the other is not, it's that none of us are Jesus and some of us are honest and some of us are not. And so what I wanna talk about is sexuality, but I wanna start by saying that I started in a really bad place And had God not saved me from myself, I would have made some great pains and problems and perils in my life. And wherever you're at, we wanna help you where you're at, but we want you to pursue God's best for you. So that being said, I'm gonna start with the scripture from the Lord Jesus. And he says this, Mark uh, chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, one of the scribes, so religious guy comes to Jesus. Uh, after he heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them, well asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? In the Old Testament, the first six books are called the books of the law, the Pentateuch, the book in five parts, 614 laws. So this is a real practical guy. Like some of you blue collar guys, he's like 614, just tell me the big idea. Could you sort of, button this down to maybe one big thing to start with. It's a good question, fair question. Which commandment is most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, here Israel, the first is you gotta listen to God. You gotta open your ears and listen to God. Before you can learn anything, you gotta open your ears. The Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God. And here's how you love God. Your heart, that's your emotional life, all your heart. All your soul, that's your spiritual life. All your mind, that's your mental life, and all of your strength, that is your physical life. Heart, emotional life. Soul, spiritual life. Mind, mental life. Strength, physical life, your body. And then he says, The second is this love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So what Jesus is saying is, we love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, When it comes to the issue of sex, we looked in Romans one last weekend. Paul says in Romans one, that one of two things happen. We either worship the creator or the created. If we worship the creator, then we love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we worship the created, we love someone or something other than the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what Paul says in Romans one, 18 through 32, is the most likely candidate to pick as an alternate commitment or devotion is what? Sex, because the human body is the most amazing and pleasurable and enjoyable thing that God made. Everything God made, he said it was good. He made the man and the woman naked, said that was very good. Since then, every man agrees, that's very good. Okay, that's very good. And so sex is a great gift from God, but it becomes a bad God. So it's, do you worship creator or creation? If you worship the body, if you worship sex, if you worship its passions and pleasures, you've inverted, you're worshiping the created rather than the creator. The other thing he says is that we have a tendency to, to avoid or abandon natural relations for unnatural. Natural relations is what? According to God, natural is before sin entered the world, that's one man and one woman in marriage, that's natural. Everything else, according to God, is unnatural. It was a man and his wife consummating their covenant, Adam and Eve, before sin entered the world, that's natural. Sin enters, everything else, unnatural. So for you and I, it's asking this question, okay, are we more committed to God than our sexuality or our sexual pleasure? And let me just say this, for men, this is the greatest threat to your devotion to God. Guys, we'll talk about, I struggle with my temper, I struggle with work, I struggle with money, I struggle. There's lots of struggles. For most men, the greatest struggle, if we're just totally honest, is what? It's sex, it's sex. You single guys, you want to have sex. You married guys, you want to have more sex. You older guys, you remember sex, right? We're all frustrated. Probably shouldn't have said that, right? (laughs) Right, we're all, you're either wanting it, wanting more or wanting it back, okay? Welcome to the three cycles of a man's life, okay? And so what happens is that if we're honest for men, sex becomes the greatest threat to our devotion to God. And the reason that sex is so incredibly powerful, it appeals to the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, I'll prove it to you. Uh, first, the heart, sex is emotional. It's emotional. Uh, Mark 7, 20 through 23, Jesus says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him For from within, out of where? The heart. The heart. So, so sexual problems really start in the heart. Before you have a problem with your hands, you have a problem with your heart, okay? Comes out of the heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, okay? That word is the same word that we use for pornography or pornographic. It's pornea. It's a Greek word that is a category for all kinds of sexual sin and temptation. And now what we tend to think is, there's a problem on the internet. Well, there is a problem on the internet, but it's not a problem unless there's a problem in the heart. And once the heart plugs into the internet, now that problem becomes our problem, okay? And so the point is that there are lots of problems out there, but you can't control everything out there. You need to pay attention to what's in here in the heart. Come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, and then what? Adultery. This is outside of your marriage covenant. Coveting, which can include, as one of the 10 commandments says, coveting who? Your neighbor's wife, neighbor's wife. And now what advertising and what social media and what internet dating and what pornography exists for is to get men to be dissatisfied with their wife and to covet another man's wife. Because if you're dating, I mean, some of you single guys, you're like, no, 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 no. Every one of those is a daughter of God that you dismissed in a millisecond based upon something other than her character. Amen? Right? I mean, that's what we do. Same thing with pornography. Has nothing to do with character. Has nothing to do with personality. Has nothing to do with love for God. Has nothing to do with soul. Right? And, and what it is, it is, it is a coveting. Now, let me say this. If you are used to coveting, you will never be satisfied with one woman because you can't be young and old and tall and short. And I mean, mean, it's an impossibility. And what happens then is that men become dissatisfied with their wife. And let me say this, sometimes the problem isn't the wife. Sometimes it's our heart. Some of you, God has given you a really great wife And you just don't fully appreciate her because you're coveting someone else's personality or their appearance or their age or their life stage or their giftedness or their abilities or whatever the case may be. And again, you say, well, there's problems out there. There's no problem out there unless there's a problem in here. And it's interesting, he says, out of the heart come all these problems. Many of them are sexual. You notice that? Pornea, all kinds of sexual lust, adultery and coveting. I mean, he's, he's saying out of the heart comes a lot of different sexual problems. And he goes on, wickedness, deceit. And then what? <laughs> he just keeps hammering the same nail, Jesus does. And what he's saying is all these issues are ultimately not, so what happen with a man, they'll say, the problem is my wife and all the temptation in the world. And what I would say is the problem is in the heart. And if the heart, was filled with the spirit of God, it would overcome the temptation of the world and it may have more gratitude for the wife that God gave. Okay, now let me say this. Some of you will disagree with me. Okay, let me let me get you to do a brain flip. You're looking at it as a husband, look at it as a dad. How many of you, if, a, if a, a guy married your daughter, came up and said to you exactly what you think about your wife and other women, you would punch that guy in the throat and quote the Old Testament. (laughs) True? Because we want our daughters to be treated a certain way. God wants his daughters to be treated a certain way. Before that's your wife, that's his daughter. So we need to look at our wife with the kind of affection that God has for his daughters. And so he goes on to say, sensuality envy. Slander, pride, foolishness, all of these come from within and they defile a person. And this issue of the heart, the Bible speaks of the heart about 900 times. Once you solve the heart problems, you solve most of the problems, okay? You can have a hard heart, you can have a stubborn heart, you can have a broken heart, you can have a lustful heart, or you can have a pure heart, okay? Now, this being said, Out of the heart comes the emotional life and all of the decisions. Sex is profoundly emotional. And let me say this, it is particularly and profoundly emotional for women. Sometimes men can act more like animals, but women are not like that. I'm not saying it's right, but for some men, they can just have sex. For women, they feel very emotionally connected to a man when there is sexual intimacy. The number one need for a woman is security. And if she trusts you enough for that kind of intimacy, that means there is for her a deep profound emotional connection. The reason that some men don't have the kind of intimacy that they would want with their wife is because they don't know how to touch your heart before they touch your body. Before you get your wife's body, you need to earn her heart. It's emotional. This is why some guys go toward pornography and adultery. There's no emotional relationship. It's just a physical biological release. Sex includes that, but God's intention is for more than that. So sex is emotional, okay? The heart, it is also spiritual. It's the soul. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, flee from sexual immorality. What is that guys? Run. Run for your life. Don't run at it, okay? Run from it. This is like Joseph in the Old Testament, right? Potiphar's wife keeps trying to seduce him and sleep with him and get him into bed. What does he do? He literally runs for it. He literally runs for it. There are certain people, women, you gotta run. Like don't walk, don't crawl, run. There are certain places, some of you guys know, if I go there, I get in trouble. You need to run, you need to run. And if it is somebody that you work with that is very attractive and very aggressive, maybe time to find a new job, right? Whatever you gotta do, you gotta flee from it. You gotta run from it. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, right? If I steal your car, that's outside of the body, right? If I break into your house, That's outside of the body. Sex, it's the one sin that's inside the body. Goes to a level and a layer that is very, very, very deep and profound. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, glorify God with your body. Here's what he's saying. If you are a believer, if you're a Christian, your body has a soul and in your soul dwells the Holy Spirit. What this means is you are not an animal, you're an image bearer. You are not just having sex with your body, you're having sex with your soul and you're bringing the Holy Spirit into the event. How many of you that, that's, that's new information? Because here's what here's what they don't have, a genre of pornography where they pray together before they sleep together. Because what we do is we think that we're highly evolved animals, so it's just a physical connection and collision. We don't know that in addition to the body, we have a soul, we're spiritual beings. And when we have sex, it is profoundly spiritual. And when the two become one, it includes the body and the soul. Okay? Now, now this being said, You and I need to see sex as God sees it. And that is not just physical, but also profoundly spiritual. And let me say this, um, the deepest connection with your wife is at the level of the soul. Okay. How do I know this? I know that there are single guys who will hear this and I love you, so this is the free dad talk, but you will sleep with women and you won't pray with them because praying is too intimate. True? It's true, right? Here's what I've done. I've done counseling for years with couples where someone has committed adultery. I've never had this counseling appointment. We spent a lot of time praying together and then slept together to commit adultery. They never invited God into the relationship. They kept it purely physical, not spiritual. But from God's perspective, is there such a thing as just a physical relationship? No, because your soul goes. And the Holy Spirit goes with you. You may not know this, but whether you're looking at something or you're sleeping with someone or you're living with someone or you're lusting after someone, not only is it your body, it's your soul. And not only your soul, it's the Spirit of God who is grieved, quenched and resisted to use the language of the Bible because he didn't build you for that. And that's not his intent for you. Everywhere you go, your soul goes with you and everywhere you go, the spirit of God goes with you. Okay? And as men, we need to keep this attitude that God gives us. And so what this means is that the spirit of God wants you to enjoy your wife and become one with her. It's where the Bible says that God made us male and female. He made us naked and unashamed. No shame, nothing wrong with sex. God brought the man and the woman together to consummate their covenant of marriage and they consummated their covenant and whose idea was it? God. God didn't look down and God didn't make a man make a woman put them together, go to the fridge, you know, get a snack, come back and be like, "What the heck? You know, I didn't intend it to go together." I mean, now that I look at it, it does kind of work, but that's not what I was planning. Right? God created the right? How many of you are engineers? True or false? This was a pretty good design. (laughs) Pretty good design. There was an engineer involved in this. Now that being said, God created us for passion and pleasure and he made that passion and pleasure for marriage. So it's a profoundly spiritual thing and it's not a dirty thing and it's not an ungodly thing. It's actually a holy thing and it's actually a godly thing because God invented it and created it. Now it's gotten so corrupted and polluted and used and abuse and sin entered the world that we have a hard time seeing it as God intended it, but that's how God still sees it. And what this means as well, because it is profoundly spiritual, it also opens the door to the demonic. Because in addition to the Holy Spirit, there's unholy spirits. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill a man to love the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind and strength and to love his neighbor as himself, starting with his wife, who Martin Luther said is our nearest and dearest neighbor. If you're gonna love your neighbor, who's your nearest neighbor? Your wife, that's your nearest neighbor. She literally lives at your house, right? (laughs) And so if you're gonna love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, that means that Pursuing your wife for sexual intimacy is a way of inviting the Holy Spirit in to bless the marriage covenant. But what it also means is because it's profoundly spiritual, Satan and the demonic realm, they want to get you to stray from your marriage to do something that is to love sex with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, instead of God. To worship the created rather than the creator to do something that is unnatural as opposed to something that is natural. It's profoundly spiritual. This is why if you are a man who wants to commit adultery, don't be shocked when that woman shows up. If you're a guy who's single and you're just looking for a good time, don't be shocked when that opportunity presents itself because Satan and demons know what you're looking for and they will answer your prayers. And I hear this all the time from Christian men. They're like, well, I don't know, I was really lonely and I was really struggling. And, and then this woman showed up and I felt like God brought her into my life. That was not God. <laughs> that was not God. The father was not in heaven going, I really hope you cheat on my daughter. Let me bring this other girl. How many of you dads would not set up the adultery against your daughter? God is not a father who sets up the adultery against his daughter. If that person shows up, it's not that God provided them, it's that Satan sent them. And Satan is willing to quote unquote, answer your prayers, your dream girl, the woman of your dreams, the experience of a lifetime, the secret business trip, whatever the case might be. You need to know that sex is profoundly spiritual. This is why cults, And all kinds of false religions, they always include sexuality because most guys are not thinking about the demonic. All they're thinking about is the pleasure. And they don't understand that the pleasure and the demonic are connected together when you're walking out of the will of God. And Satan will give you the pleasure so that he can literally get his hooks into you. There's an old Puritan, his name is Thomas Brooks. He wrote a book called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And he uses this analogy. He says that Satan is fishing all the time. And what he's doing is he's figuring out what your bait is. Okay, so for those of you that like to fish, you know the key is figure out what bait the fish like, get the right bait on the hook, put it in the water, and eventually some dumb fish is gonna bite. What he says is that Satan knows us, demons watch us and they figure, okay, what do you like? What do you like? What do you like? What do you look? Then they put it on the hook and they throw it in the water and we're swimming by and we think, redhead. (laughs) (sighs) Blonde. Next thing you know, you're in the boat you get clubbed over the head going, I thought this was gonna be a good time. And then the lawyers get involved and you split everything and then Christmas is weird for your kids. I'm just telling you how this ends up. Okay, am I lying? No, most guys are like, I was trying to have a good time and it ended up not being that good. Yeah, because sin only leads to death and Satan is a liar and he promises things that he never provides, okay? It's profoundly spiritual. So sex is emotional of the heart, it is spiritual of the soul, it is mental of the mind. Romans 12, one and two. This is a little later in the book of Romans. Present your bodies. So worship is not just the songs that we sing, it's the lives that we live in the bodies we have, okay? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, okay? And what this is, I am going to live in my body unto the Lord, which means I'm gonna make some what? Such a your secret, boys. You're gonna make some sacrifices, okay? You may not get all the sex you want. You may not get all your fantasies. You're gonna need to make some sacrifices. Now, I know this message is totally unpopular. Right now, there is no PR firm trying to figure out how to motivate people toward sacrifice. It's all self-indulgence, not self-control. We live in a world of self-indulgence, not self-control. The fruit of the spirit is self-control you're going to need to make some sacrifices, right? You want to be faithful to your wife? You're going sac- to need to literally take some of the things that you might want in your sinful flesh, put it on the altar and slaughter it and live as a living sacrifice with that thing being sacrificed. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And here's the key, how? Holy. What that means is, okay, dad, you made my body. What am I supposed to do with it? Not do with it which is your what? Spiritual worship. Whatever you do with your body, God sees as an act of worship. It's not just the songs that we sing or the checks that we write, it's the deeds that we choose. This is profoundly spiritual, belongs to God. Do not be conformed to this world. The whole world wants to tell you, self-indulgence, not self-control. It's telling you to offer your body for pleasure, not offer your body for God's pleasure. Do not be conformed to this world. And that language of conforming, it it literally is just like a vice pressing in on you. How many of you feel that in certain things in life? Like, man, if I'm gonna read my Bible and serve the Lord and tithe and be faithful to my wife and be nice to my kids, pretty much everything on planet earth is working against me. Is that true? It's true. So you're gonna need to defy gravity by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna need God to do a miracle in and through you. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, good, acceptable, and perfect. It is mental. Now, let me say this. God's word is revolutionary and eventually the social sciences catch up, okay? So there is a a Christian biopsychologist. His name is William Struthers. He wrote a book called Wired for Intimacy. And what we're seeing is on the leading end of, or edge of brain science, they're looking how sex and pornography and sexual pleasure, it literally, literally re-hardwires a man's brain. It literally does. That's why Paul says, don't be conformed, be transformed. Don't let the world give you the pattern for your brain. Let the word give you the pattern for your brain. Don't let the hardwiring come from there. Have the hardwiring come from here because God created you and he knows what is best for you. So let me give you a little bit of his findings. He talks about, in his book, he talks about what he calls neural pathways that literally get formed in the brain, especially the male brain, okay? Now imagine you are a hiker. Any of you hikers, you like to go out in the mountains or the woods, you like to hike, okay? How many of you go running often and you've kind of got a path? Let's say it's, it's off-road. Off Uh, let's say you're like me and you're lazy, you don't jog, but you take your Jeep off road and you do it enough times that you get a path, okay? Now imagine you're walking or driving through the woods or up into the mountains and you go over the same path over and over and over, over time, what do you get? You get a pathway. If you take the same route, eventually you get a pathway. Now, the more you take that path, the easier and quicker you venture down that path because your body is literally habituated to the path. You know every step. It's familiar to you. How many of you have done this? You've driven home from work so many times that you pull into the driveway and you don't even remember driving home. You're like, I don't even remember driving. That's crazy. It's because literally you've created a pathway and you've habituated yourself to the pathway and you're so familiar with it that it becomes second nature to you. What happens in your brain is whatever sexual pleasure you are pursuing, it creates a pathway to the pleasure. Your body literally, your brain literally creates a neural pathway, okay? So let's say you watch porn and do what guys do and watch porn and do what guys do and watch porn and do what guys do. You've literally created a neural pathway in your brain that then all of a sudden your brain immediately goes quickly down that path. And that's the pleasure path. And that's the neural pathway to the pleasure. Now, this is a great thing. Let me say this. Is this a great thing if at the end of the path is your wife? Yeah. If it's not your wife, you've got a crisis. You've got a crisis. Because your default, your hardwiring, your habituation is towards something or someone other than your wife. This is why in Job 31.1, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a woman lustfully. What he was saying is this, at the end of the pathway will only be my wife, nobody else, because I don't want to have multiple pathways. I just wanna have one. This is why it says in Timothy and Titus, that a leader should be, it says the husband of one wife, but in the original Greek text, it says a one woman man. What does that mean? This guy, that's it. There's not seven paths, there's one path. And at the end of that path is his wife. That's it, that's it. Now the problem becomes is men, let's just be honest. We make all kinds of pathways before marriage, some of us didn't get saved till later in life, right? We, we're, a, we're a veritable national forest of trails. Right? <laughs> like, like you, you need a map. I mean, you're like, I don't know, I got, so many, I got so many routes. And what happens then is he also talks about mirror neurons and mirror neurons are where you see people having pleasure and then your body kicks in to its pleasure pathway, its neural pathway, and then it participates through observation. And and what he says is, particularly for men, um, this affects, this this is why pornography is for men and sex is for men as addictive as heroin. So the brain scientists with Christian Struthers and others, they have found that the pleasure that is released for men in sex affects the same part of the brain as heroin addiction. Have you ever seen a guy addicted to heroin? I've never seen a guy kind of into heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Guy's like, yeah, I'm sort of a recreational heroin user. You know, take it or leave it, it's a Tuesday thing. You know, I moderate it. Here's what I see with heroin addicts. Once you do heroin, you're into heroin. Once you create a neural pathway that leads to pleasure, you are into that neural pathway and that pleasure, similarly in the brain structure and hardwiring to a heroin addict. Okay? Okay, I'll ask you this. If this is just your wife, is this a good or a bad thing? It's a good thing. If you're as into your wife as a heroin addict is into heroin, I know it's not a great analogy, don't tell your wife I shared it with you. (laughs) But if you're that into your wife, that probably is gonna really motivate you to work on your marriage. But if you were that into someone or something else, you're always gonna live with guilt and shame. And so the question then becomes, um, what do you do? You create new. You you need to stop traveling on old neural pathways, and you need to start forming new neural pathways. This is the Bible's language of take this off and put this on. It's the Bible's way of saying stop going down that trail and start charting out this trail. Okay, some of the um, some of the biopsychologists would say that. It's a biochemical love potion. It literally is a chemical high that happens in the mind of a man. And so, you know, this is where men will even see after sex. It's like, well, I'm very nice and I'm very calm and I'm very loving and I listen. Like I'm not even the same guy. It's because literally that that release of the chemicals in the brain, it literally manages and regulates a man. That's why men who are married and don't get intimacy, they become emotionally unhealthy and very grumpy, which again, causes them to be unsafe and their wife doesn't wanna be with them. And then you fire up the carnival music and things get worse and worse. The point of this is, well, I know I'm, a lot of you guys, I see, most of you don't look very happy about this lecture. Uh <laughs> like, Go back and tell my wife to do what I want. That was the lecture I was hoping for. No, no, that's not my job. Um, What happens then is they find that once a man has created a neural pathway in the brain toward a pleasure that he continues to go down it faster and faster and more frequently and more frequently, this is how you get the addiction cycle. And one study, one sociological survey said that men who hire prostitutes, two thirds of the men keep going back to the same prostitute. Why? Neural pathway, neural pathway, neural pathway, neural pathway, neural pathway. The way out of it, you've got to avoid old paths and you've got to carve some new paths. That's how it works. In the same way, If you went down a trail and it was a dead end, you'd have to hike your way out and find another way. Anything other than your wife is a dead end, you gotta hike your way out and you gotta build a new pathway. Literally, it re-hardwires the brain. Now, where this is so significant is these are great gifts that God gives, but when we worship sex, the created rather than the creator, Ultimately, we are habituating ourselves for death, not life, self-destruction, not happy marriage, okay? So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. And sex is physical. And as I just intimated, it literally does body regulation for men. It literally does hormonal, chemical, body regulation for men. So he says this in Matthew 19, four through six, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, Jesus goes back to Genesis one and two, binary male, female marriage for one man, one woman, sex is for the context of the covenant of marriage. Jesus is absolutely a Bible teacher and sticks with what is natural in Genesis one and two. Therefore, a man, not a boy, for some of you guys, you're single, you're thinking, I'm really struggling, I need to get married. Men is for boy, not for boys, marriage rather. Uh, I, gotta, I think I just, I think I just became a heretic right there. Uh, I just undid my whole Romans one sermon. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me pull back here, okay? So marriage is for men, not for boys. And just because you get married, it doesn't make you a man. Okay? Because a lot of guys who are Christian and they're single, they're like, well, if you can only have sex when you're married, I'm getting married. Okay, are you a man? Have you left your mother and father? Do you have a job? Do you have a plan? Are you leading yourself? Are you ready to lead a family? And I always say that many single guys, they're like a dog chasing a fire engine. If you catch it, what are you gonna do with it? You know, like... (laughs) (laughs) If you're a boy chasing marriage and you do somehow get married, what are you gonna do with it, right? So marriage is for men, not for boys. And sex is a motivator for young men to take on responsibility. The average guy today is in his early 30s when he marries for the first time. And by that time, he has created enough neural pathways that he looks, he looks, like, he looks like a national park with hiking trails. I slept with her and him and them and those seven people and the internet. And you're just like, good glory. What you wanna do, it means that many of God's men, quite frankly, are probably gonna get married younger. Right? If you're like, I wanna get married and stay married and love my wife and have my pathway go to one person, you're probably gonna get married younger. And it doesn't mean if you sin, God can't forgive you. It doesn't mean if you've made mistakes that God can't create neural pathways. I told you at the beginning, that was my story. But for those of you guys who are younger, I'm just telling you, the less pathways you carve, the less pain you cause yourself and your spouse, okay? And so he's talking here about marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father, hold fast to his wife. And that, and that word sometimes is translated cleave. And it means to pursue with vigorous energy, okay? You're supposed to pursue your wife with vigorous energy your whole life. Guys that are passive are like, well, she doesn't pursue me. That's your job, right? Your job is to pursue her with vigorous energy, heart, soul, mind, and strength, hold fast to his wife. The two become what? One what? This is very physical, one flesh. So marriage is two things in the Bible. It's covenant and it's consummation. They're no longer two, but one, what God has joined together, let not man separate. What happens when a husband and a wife are sexually intimate, they are connected heart, soul, mind, strength. You're supposed to worship God heart, soul, mind, strength. You're supposed to offer your body as a living sacrifice, heart, soul, mind, strength. You are to love your neighbor as yourself, starting with your first nearest and dearest neighbor, your wife, heart, soul, mind, strength. Now, there is a a quote I wanna give you from Dr. Stephen Arterburn. Uh, He's got new life ministries, Christian counseling and conciliation service. He says, and I quote, sexual pleasure is one of the most intense human experiences. Is that true? Yeah, it is. Physically speaking, when a man or a woman reaches sexual excitement, nerve endings release a chemical into the brain called an opioid. Opioid means opium-like and is a good good description of the power of this chemical. Apart from a heroin-induced experience, nothing is more physically pleasurable than sex. True or false? True. This is a wonderful thing in a committed marriage because it helps to bond two people together and bring joy to living together and building a relationship, okay? What he's saying is this, that when you are together, heart, emotional life, soul, spiritual life, that includes praying together. So he goes like, I can't get my wife to calm down or to open up or to be free. Try connecting emotionally and spiritually before you connect physically. Try to get her heart to open and her soul to open because her highest need is security. And if you're not emotionally and spiritually safe, she doesn't feel physically safe. So what he's talking about is that when we have sex, it is heart, emotional soul, spiritual, mind, mental, and the result is physical. It literally is, he uses the word bond. It literally binds two people together. Okay, question, is this an amazing gift for a marriage? You're like, emotionally, I'm bound to my wife. Heart, soul, spiritually, I'm bound to my wife. Mentally, I'm bound to my wife. Physically, I'm bound to my wife. The two are now what? One, okay. Is this also a profoundly powerful tool in the hands of Satan? Because it can be somehow getting you to worship someone or something, created rather than creator, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and ultimately binding you to the internet, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, binding you to someone or something else. I'll close with this analogy. This is Gorilla Glue, okay? your Gorillas, here's your glue. Okay, here's your Gorilla Glue, okay? <laughs> gorilla Glue, is Gorilla Glue good or bad? Depends on what you do with it. You <sighs> see where I'm going with this. What is the intent of Gorilla Glue? take two things and make them one. And it does a really good job. It'll bind things together that probably shouldn't even be together. So you gotta be careful with it, okay? I, uh, I read the directions, not gonna lie. I put my glasses on because it's very small print. Um, and the first two things it says, do not swallow, okay? If you need that, you're not a valedictorian of your school, okay, you're not the smartest guy. If you swallow it, what happens? It binds things together. You do not want bound together. Okay. The other thing it then says is number two, I kid you not, is do not put in your eyes. Like you would have to have a lot of alcohol in you to go, man, I, I am so hungover. I need some eye drops. Oh no, Gorilla Glue. Okay. You, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Your blood alcohol is up there, okay? You put this in your eyes, what does it do? It binds it together. Sex is like this. It's great providing you bind together what is supposed to be bound together. If you misuse it, you are binding yourself to all kinds of things you're not supposed to be bound to. And, and that's what he is saying that the two become one flesh. It literally is this act of sex, heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is God's equivalent of a bonding agent that takes a man and a woman and literally puts them together as one, heart, soul, mind, and strength. So some guys would be like, I don't know why God's got such a hang up. I don't know why he says no. I don't know I, well, I'll tell you why. Because he wants you to be connected to He wants you to be satisfied with. He wants you to be pursuing of your wife who also happens to be his daughter, his daughter, his daughter. And so for some of you guys, literally you've got yourself glued to people and things that you're gonna, it's gonna be a little painful to break that bond. And you're gonna need a season of healing so that if and when marriage comes, you can be devoted to your covenant and ultimately your creator and then bond with your wife. Let me say this for men. Many of you think that you would be happier if God just let you have the sex that you wanted. And if he did, you would destroy yourself. I have never seen a guy who worships sex instead of God end up being a healthy or happy or holy man. The only thing more powerful for a man than sex is God. And when God is in the position of directing our sexuality, we can worship our creator by enjoying his creation, including the body, our wife, sex, marriage, all that God gives, it's a great gift. But when sex overtakes God and it serves as God, it literally destroys a man. This is where men become perverted, They become addicted. They become dangerous. They become terrifying. And some of you guys would think, no, no, no. I can regulate or manage my sexual dysfunction. What I would tell you, every guy before you said the same thing and failed because either you do it God's way and he blesses you, or you do it Satan's way and he curses you. And Satan's way is to continually push you into deeper and deeper and deeper depravity, which is self-destruction. So let me say this. I, I said this at the beginning as men. There are two kinds of men, guilty men who are honest and guilty men who are dishonest. Okay? So as men, we just wanna be honest and say, that makes sense to me. I wanna worship creator, Heart, soul, mind, and strength. I wanna do what is natural, not that which is unnatural. I want the path to be the path that the Father has chosen. And I want to be the pleasure, the pleasure that the Father um, approves of, okay? And I know some of you guys, you're gonna wanna have personal conversations in private. We're not gonna talk about this around the tables. I know I can see your eyes, you're like, oh gosh, what are the small group questions? Okay, here they are. These are the conversations that you need to have with your wife or a godly man or your dad or somebody that you trust. But I wanna open the conversation based on Romans one. So the questions will be, what are you thankful for lately? And some of you will be thankful that I'm done talking. That's fine. Uh, What is God teaching you lately? And then how can we be praying for you? So we'll do that in just a moment. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to talk to the men and Lord God, I'm not Jesus, they're not Jesus, we're not Jesus. We all have sin, varying sorts, varying degrees, varying kinds in varying ways. None of us can say, my heart is pure, my thoughts are clean, uh, my eyes are covenanted, I have nothing to repent of. And so Father God, we just wanna be honest with you. We wanna say that we confess that as your sons, we've fallen short. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the son of God who forgives and heals and makes new. We thank you that there is now no condemnation in Christ. And God, for those of us who have built some bad paths, uh, help us to not venture down those paths and give us self-control and to build paths toward marriage and toward our wife and toward life together and what you intend for us. And Lord God, just as a dad with two little girls, uh, Lord, as we look at it with a father's heart, this is a broken, scary, devastating, horrifying world for ladies. And Lord God, we, we really want our daughters to be protected and loved and cherished and pursued. And, and we want their marriages to be heart, soul, mind, strength, connection with their husband at the deepest level and safe. And so Lord, for that to happen, let us be the kind of men who set that example. And let us treat your daughters the way that we would want our daughters treated. In Jesus' good name we pray, amen. Love you guys, thank you.